Hello, you are listening to another episode of the Property Management Show. We are your hosts. My name is Marie and this is Brittany. Hi. And we are kicking off our multi-episode series about bottlenecks to profitability. Mm-hmm. We interviewed Casey McDonald. She goes over kind of the foundational elements of planning when you are mapping out what needs to be done for your business to essentially avoid bottlenecks and then ways to identify those bottlenecks um, and things that can go wrong. So keep listening. Hope you enjoy. So Casey, thank you so much for making time for us to record this podcast episode. Um, You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure, actually. So to start things off, can you please start by, you know, introducing yourself briefly to our park, our podcast listeners who may not have heard of you or have seen you at conferences? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so my name's Casey McDonald. I'm the director of the Property Management Training Academy. Um, this is my 20th year in the real estate industry, and I've spent the whole 20 years in the property management field. And I've had the privilege of working my way through the roles by starting on reception um, in a business um, and working my way through to having the opportunity to start my own property management company, where I grew that organically to 227 doors in three years. And uh, I sold that business because I have a passion around the education and knowledge side for the industry. And so that's what brings me here as a consultant and a mentor to the industry. I, I want to help businesses who don't understand the property management side of their business. Um, that's what I'm passionate about. So I want them to make sure they're running a really profitable business. So that might be people that don't know anything about real estate at all, or people that own real estate businesses that are trying to grow their property management side. Yeah, absolutely. I do get uh, quite a few calls and uh, emails around people who are looking to start up for the first time. You know, what is it that they should do? What should they have in place? So I like to work with them around those foundations just to make sure that they're going to be successful from the onset. Um, And then I do work with the real estate's who are looking to tack on a property management arm. Um, and I'm obviously work with those who have got zero property management experience generally as that uh, business owner. And they're saying, can you help me understand this side of my business a little more? So there's lots of different elements to what I offer, but a lot of it is around productivity, efficiency, profits, growth. Uh, so working with, you know, reception staff to the owner of the business. And that kind of drives us to the topic that we're discussing today. It's part of our Bottlenecks to Profitability series. And what we want to talk to you about is kind of the initial planning and building stage when you're trying to get leads into the pipeline um, and why that is such a bottleneck for some people when they're trying to start growing. Um, So I guess the first question we can ask is why do you think that is such a bottleneck to growth? Yeah, I think it mainly is, is because they don't understand uh, what they need to do. What are those types of activities that are involved for us to start to generate those leads into our business to start to build our pipeline? And sometimes we focus on the wrong type of activity for our particular marketplace. And I think that's 
a really important element to consider when we're looking at the growth side of our property management business is that we need to consider where are we, what's happening in our market, you know, are we, do we have a, an amount of investors who are here and the opportunities are, you know, there's quite a lot of opportunity or have we got less opportunities so that for then what kind of targeting do we have to do to generate those leads? So it's going to be different probably for, you know, a lot of the listeners today in the audience, but the, the key focus for it is to actually understand the key activities that you need to do and then break that down and say, okay, of those 50 activities, what would be the first five that I would start on and really focus on? Uh, and that's how I start with a business and say, this is everything we could do. But right now, we're going to focus on the first five and then really work them and get them really consistent in your business. And, and I suppose a, a key element, and it, and it may be coming up in another question, so please excuse me if I kind of am jumping ahead, but it's the fact that they'll give something a go for a short time and then they won't get results and so they'll stop doing it and they'll think oh well that didn't work but sometimes there are some tasks or activities we need to do from a prospecting sales generation point of view that have to be consistent for a period of time so that people will start to come in the door so I just encourage people that if they're at the moment they're feeling this isn't working for me I just encourage you to keep going because all of a sudden the floodgates will open up and you'll go, wow, why did this happen? And it's because you just spent six months doing all of the really hard work that you need to do. And so to piggyback on that, so you mentioned at the beginning that um, a common mistake property managers do is focusing on the wrong thing in the initial stages of planning their business, building their initial pipeline of leads. And so um, on the flip side of the coin, you mentioned that there are some activities that um, you know don't get immediate results and people give up, not knowing that if just they just waited maybe three more months, the floodgates would open. So how do you differentiate or how do you identify if you're focusing on the right thing or the wrong thing and and, you know, I guess that's the key, right? If you know how to identify the wrong versus the right thing, then you know that, well, I know it's the right thing. So I just need to keep working. Right. Especially but, yeah. if you're, sorry, sorry to to you, but especially if you're looking at, you said you list out a bunch of things that you could mm -hmm. be working on. Um, if three of the four, three of the four or five things that you are working on are the things that take longer, how do you how do you know that you're working on the right thing too? I think it's a giant question. So yeah. feel free to yeah. divide it up. Whichever, whichever <laughs> one you want. So um, what I would actually do with them in their business is start by looking at their foundations. And, and I call that a foundations around their systems and their processes. And I look at what they've already been doing from a growth element. What results have they been getting from that? And I ask them to be transparent with that conversation to say, you know, look, Casey, I might make those calls through to my database, but I really only do it uh, once a week. So then I'd say, well, you know, in order for us to get it results, because that's an activity that absolutely does get results, we need to increase the amount of time that we're spending on that activity. So it's not that that activity needs to be pushed aside. It's that we need to understand the length of time, how frequent we should be doing it, how many calls we should be making, who we should be calling, right? So that's just one of the activities. So that's where I sit and 
and coach them through and really break that down and, uh, and get them to identify why they think it's not working. Uh, and most of the time it's because they're not spending enough time on the activity. So, you know, calls obviously play a big part in you've got to keep communicating to obviously sell your services and sell what it is that you do. Um, and so that's one activity that I find people are fearful of doing uh, because there's an, you know, it's a, sometimes a cold call. You haven't had a relationship or you haven't spoken to them in a long time, but vital to keep that relationship going. And you will get results from that. And that's not something you're going to get an immediate result from. You know, you may just, you know, really be lucky and get that person in your database that's ready to go. But most of the time, that's going to take you a little while to build some relationship. Um, so that's definitely one. I'd say another that well, certainly worked for me. Um, it did take about six months to really take traction, but it was a bit of a brand exercise as well. And I used to deliver the door hangers. So I would say that I've just listed this property for rent in the street and, and or I've just leased the property uh, in the street and this is what we achieved. And I used to obviously... Um, so in Australia, we can put them into the letterboxes, but I understand it, it's more on the doors um, in the States. So by doing that activity, you're not going to get a phone call straight away. It, it's not the way that that activity is designed to work. It's about building your brand in the community. And, and the key component of that was that people are also seeing you out, hopefully, if, if you choose to do it at the right time of the day. So it's, it's going, okay, these are the five activities that we think are going to work well in your marketplace. You might've already started to do a few of those. Then I dive right down and break it down with them. How frequently are you going to do it? If you only do it once a week, this is probably only the result you're going to get. So if you would like to grow and have this much profitability in your business, then we need to make sure that you're doing that three times more, you know? So it's that sort of stuff. Uh, that I work with people to get them to understand and identify why it's not working. It's because they're not putting the, enough effort in. So it yeah. sounds a lot like, um, like the, the starting point for when you're trying to dump, troubleshoot, you know, what's going wrong with the property management business is to first figure out what they're currently doing how they're currently doing it and what results they're seeing. And based on that, you go ahead and figure out, okay, is it a matter of they're not doing it enough? They're giving up too soon. Um, they're not consistent about it. But um, you mentioned two things, like number one, calls, you know, um, number two, like brand building activities. And so in the, in a perfect world, you could do every single activity, right? And that way you can have, data on what's working, what's not. But given that property managers, you know, we all know property managers have a lot of time in the world. Just kidding. Um, they barely have time to, um, you know, do things for themselves to relax. And so um, figuring out like weeding through like the hundreds of activities they could be doing. Um, what would you say is the most important thing to keep in mind when a property manager figures out what to do? Like, if there are a hundred activities I could do, um, but I only have time to do maybe two things, three things. Um, how do I prioritize one activity over the other? Um, is there some sort of rule? Is there a playbook? Um, are there specific um, like red flags to look out for after a certain amount of time? Like a formula that you've, you've observed. 
Yeah, um, I would encourage them that the key component of that is that they have to be consistent. Mm-hmm. So, and and I'm not being and I'm not meaning consistency as the same time every single day, and it's like you're working as a robot. I mean that if you have chosen to deliver uh, a door hanger, and that's just what you do, and it becomes in a consistent uh, process in your activities, the community notice that. And the moment that you stop, it's like if you're doing e-marketing and you're sending out an e-news and, and your clients are receiving that and then all of a sudden they don't get it, that's generally when you get calls of like, oh, I didn't get that. How come I didn't get my e-news this month, right? So although they might not be directly calling you from that information, people are still reading, listening, watching, right? So they're still observing of what's actually going on. So the moment you stop, then that's when it's, there's a concern for that client. So you've always got to be top of mind, which is important to be consistent in whatever the activity is. So with that, it's, I would suggest that the rule play or, or the, the rule book would be is, is just create the time in your week. So it's about the structure. And I'm very big and I call it an ideal week. And I'm big around, okay, if we know every single day there are activities that we have to do and we do them every single day as a property manager, um, then why don't we just add them into our calendar and call it block out time for those activities? So what you're then doing is not multitasking and you're not doing multiple activities at once, which means your mind is focused on one core thing and you just block that out. So what you'll then identify as a property manager is you absolutely have time to have an element of growth built into your day. So any property manager who says to me, I don't have time, I'm too busy. The first thing I do is help them restructure and plan their days because they're actually not that busy. They're just busy doing nothing. They're busy like going like this with pieces of paper everywhere. And they, it means that they just haven't got a level of understanding of the structure that they need So then when we do that activity together, I identify that they have an hour every day that they could spend on generating leads. And if you think about, yeah, one hour every day, right? And you could go, right, we're going to do these two activities that you feel the most comfortable with to start with in that hour. And we just do them every single day. Uh, And then we start to find that they see the results coming in they see the consistency and once they they're more motivated then as soon as they see a result come in they they understand the process and I really like what you said about just planning out your day because I think that anybody in any industry can relate to that too where you have so much going on that you're trying to do too many things at once that you can never get what you actually need to accomplish done and I think I, I know in the past couple of years I started doing that and I feel like I've been able to get more done where I block out 30 minutes for this an hour for this but you're still able to get everything else you needed to get done accomplished in that day because you're not overwhelmed by all of the noise of everything else so that makes a lot of sense it, it definitely is noise and I think that that's where we get distracted because let's say you're sitting in an office environment and you've got your team member beside you, you're hearing their conversations, you know, so then and they might say, can I get your help with something? Uh, you know, there's so many other variables to what can happen in your day. Uh, and that, But if you kind of start the day and you're like, well, I don't even know what I have got on today. 
you're already on the back foot and you're always going to be in reactive. And I think it's important to understand what are the key tasks that I just do every week. And in property management, we know what they are. Every morning you would, of course, do your banking and you would receipt rents that have been paid or, you know, have a look and make sure all of your tenants are paying their rent, right? We know we do that every day. So put 30 minutes in if that's how long it takes you into your calendar that you're doing that process. And if that's, it kind of becomes like your to-do list. Mm-hmm. And then in between, you're like, oh, there's a gap. Right, I'm going to add a gap in here today of prospecting and I'm going to go out and I'm going to do those door hangers for all the properties that we've leased in the last month. You know, so that, that's all it really is. But you can't do that as an owner operator in a property management company, if you've got full reins and you're not prepared to delegate. And so in light of, you know, putting emphasis on the fact that you have to make time in your calendar every day, every week um, for growth related things, um, you know, like you keep mentioning like door hangers, like, but there are millions of ways that you could do prospecting. How would an owner operator sort of like identify which ones are the most bang for your buck or the, the best use of their time? So um, I guess it's like, cause you've done it. So you're like, you know, which activities have the best results, best return for money, best return for time investment. I think a lot of people don't take that into consideration, but if I'm an owner operator and I haven't really done any growth related activities at all, all I've done so far is hire someone I trust, delegate the stuff. Now I have this time. I don't know what to do. <laughs> um, yeah. So is it just trial and error or are there specific sets of activities that you recommend trying? Like, cause it's different every market, right? So are there like top five, top five let's say that everyone should at least try. Yeah. So definitely uh, number one is the fact that they will have a database of clientele past, present, and they, they need to, it's right under their nose. They already are working with existing clientele. So they need to be constantly speaking with them. So there's obviously so many different marketing ways to do that. For me, a big thing is, is that you've got to be talking to these people, right? So you've got to be making telephone calls, but you need to understand to have some email drip campaigns going out as a soft touch behind the scene to keep that brand awareness and emphasis on what it is that you do out there to those people, right? But you should have a plan of attack of segregating your database of who, who is an investor? Do they own other properties? Have they bought a property through me? You know, or are they a seller? So trying to understand exactly what's in your database. So working through that and then implementing your calls uh, and, and absolutely needs to be a minimum of 10 calls a day to even kind of get any result um, out of that, out of that activity. Um, The door hangers I did mention, it is something that they absolutely everyone should do from a brand awareness and get out there. Uh, The core element of property management or why people engage us is because they want to find the most suitable tenant. They want to know that they're going to have the best tenant in there and they're going to get the best price for their property. And that is the most softest way to tell people what it is that you've done and in what time frame, right? So the message on those door hangers has to be very, very clear as well. Yes, we've just listed this house, 
you know, uh, it doesn't need to have the details of the property, but it might be, have you ever thought about renting out your home? Call us today. Pretty simple message. The next one that goes on their door is, did you know that we've now leased that house? And this is what we achieved. Would you like to know what your property can achieve in the current rental market? Right? So you're asking them the question and it could have been something they were thinking about, but didn't know who to connect with. And you just happened to put that on the door at that time. Right? So that's definitely an activity that absolutely worked for me purely for that reason. Um, third activity, which I don't think we actually put enough time and energy into is our network referring. So it's, we've got some great tools, obviously with our social media, with Facebook, and connecting through there. And there's some great community forum pages that are set up where there could be buy, swap, sells, uh, there could be um, other community pages that, that might be in your area. And I encourage you to get on and be the property management expert on that page. Talk to people. You know, you might see that they're potentially looking for a property in the area, whether they are a tenant or a potential tenant a potential landlord into your business, you need to be on there and, and answering questions and showcase that you're that person that they can go to for help. So yes, that's time. You need to obviously have time to do that, but it's, it's an exercise that not a lot of people do, but it can produce amazing results if you do it. So to coincide that, of course, is then building your B2B relationships and that can be via your LinkedIn profiling, but of course, face-to-face which again, uh, and that this is just me because I am a face-to-face person and I like to connect with people in that way and really build that relationship. And I tend to get results faster myself personally if I'm in that environment with them and I'm feeling their body language, etc. So that's why I encourage face-to-face. But if you, if you haven't got the opportunity to network with other businesses face-to-face, then of course, use your LinkedIn profiling it can be highly successful. It's let's catch up. You know, it's the messages you deliver, you know, thanks for connecting. I've got some, you know, other connections in the same kind of network or in the same kind of industry and would love to catch up with you. Let's have a coffee and, you know, so we can understand each other's business. And that's all that it simply needs to be and create a little group. Um, I've, I've got some businesses that I work with um, some business development managers or, or property management sales uh, lead generations who we catch up for breakfast uh, once a month. And as a part of that, they actually bring in those network people. So that's what I encourage them to do. So I'm there as I suppose in a consultant from an outside point of view to help balance out conversation, but purely it is there are, you know, tax accountants and solicitors and those types of people who are dealing with people in the real estate industry as well and supporting people with, those types of transactions who can then pass on names. So it's, they sit around, have breakfast, have coffee for an hour and they refer business to each other. And so again, it's time, (laughs) Uh, but it's an untapped resource that we don't do it very well because it's one that we think, Oh, well I've just had breakfast and a coffee with them and they didn't give me anything. Mm-hmm. And we think that someone's going to give something to us straight away. Yeah. <clears throat> and some people will, but the majority of people are not going to until they form a relationship with you and a level of trust. 
So you keep going, set that breakfast up once a month, keep working your LinkedIn page. So absolutely network referrals are a key activity, especially as the business owner, you should be doing those activities. Uh, what about that? Is that three? Are we up to three? I think we have four. Yeah, I've been <laughs> jotting these down. We were, what we were saying, um, start with the existing database, um, the calls. Sure calls. Sorry. Sorry. So start with your existing database. Make sure that you're segmenting them. You know who's an investor. You know, do they already have multiple properties? Maybe you can talk to them about their plans of purchasing more property. Maybe they can do it with you. Um, minimum of 10 calls a day to your existing database. Um, also make sure there's a drip campaign to make sure that on top of you calling, they're hearing from you consistently. Um, I listed number, number two as like door hangers as an yeah. example. I wasn't sure if we bundled door hangers with current clientele or do we do that for everyone? Um, you would do it for everyone because that's going to be a blanket. Yeah. Choice. Yeah. Okay. That's so what I thought. So that's how I bundled it. To target brand awareness, but to target people who potentially are thinking of an option of renting or selling and you want to be at top of mind. That's the untapped. Yeah. And then the, yeah. the network relationship. Yeah. Network referrals. Um, and then the fourth one was business to business um, relationships. I separated those. Because, I did too, because it's yeah, a little bit different. Yeah, it's yeah. quite different because network referrals means you're asking referrals from people you already know. And B2B, creating B2B relationships is like you're actually creating Building new, your network. Yeah, new network connections. Yes, I really absolutely. like that one too, the B2B yeah. relationships, because I think you're so right. People don't think about that. They, I'm going to take these real estate agents out to lunch, which is really great. But what about all of the other people in the business community that could be referring you business? Lawyers, for example, you know, they deal, especially ones that deal with um, like family law, they're exposed to different family situations, right? And, you know, inheritance property, or, you know, um, they may be helping, you know, children of a wealthy family member figure out what to do with their money. And so you could come in not just as a property manager, but you could position yourself as an advisor, like, hey, real estate, you know, rental real estate is really hot right now. Like, let's talk about what you can get. You know, you can be creative. Well, yeah, and it doesn't even have to be related to property management. It could be somebody no, that owns a restaurant in the area <laughs> yeah. and, and talks so to I, a lot of people. That's uh, right next door to my office. I had a cafe. Mm -hmm. And, um, of course, every morning we're going to go, it's right next door. We're going to go there, get our coffees every morning. And most times we used to have Friday long lunches there as well. And, <laughs> and you know, with our wine and, and et cetera. But what we did was um, collaboratively set up with her little coffee cards so and um, a little voucher. So she gave a $20 voucher and she gave a coffee card. So what we did was had our logo on the coffee card as obviously as well as hers. And it, well, it just said, get your first coffee on my business, right? Mm -hmm. And so every tenant that came um, to our business, every prospective tenant that came to every um, open for inspection, every buyer, prospective buyer, seller, all of that got a coffee card that said, have a coffee on us. So what it was effectively doing was drawing people to her cafe, which means they're going to, someone's going to get a coffee. What are they going to do? Buy a cake, you know, get a muffin, buy lunch. They're going to add something else on. So she was always going to make other money. So I said, so what, what does that coffee cost you? She's like, let's, 
let's square it off as that's a $3 bill. So it cost me $3 for, to give away. So every single person that gave one that, all she did was bill me $3. And people were coming to both of our organizations. So she, they would, they would, she would have them on the counter. She would be handing them out and say, if you ever need any real estate needs, go see the guys next door. They're fantastic. They'll help you out. You know, and so people would. People who were there on holidays would just be go at the cafe and then she'd, oh, what are you guys up here for? We're on holidays. And, oh, we're looking for a potential property to buy, you know, that maybe one day we'll move here. So we thought we'd have it as a rental property first. So she'd go, oh, my God, you need to see Casey next door. She'll look after you. And it just worked, right? But if I didn't go and ask the question and say, are you happy to collaborate on something like this? then it never would have happened. So sometimes we've just got to ask a question, think a little bit differently about how we can generate some leads. Yeah, that's awesome. And to piggyback on that, I've heard um, from other property managers as well, um, you know, building strong relationships with your vendors. So a lot of times when property managers have vendors, it's so easy to get hung up on the job at hand. Like I have a carpet cleaner, they clean my carpets, great. But if you actually take care of them, um, your carpets are not the only carpets they clean. They also get calls from other houses, maybe from DIY landlords. And, you know, they kind of have the incentive now of being like, hey, you know what? Like this property is not cared for. Your tenants are really bad. Like, you know, give this property management company a call and Absolutely. that can work yeah. for you too. Um, so that's a, that's a really good point that you make that because I was um, going to share an example of what I did with my vendors. Mm. So I created a similar networking group with my vendors and I did it um, every three months as a thank you for what they did for our clients. So I made sure at the beginning of any of the relationships that I would bring them into my organization and talk them through about what I expected from them. You know, when we issue you a work order to do a job for us, this is the timeline that we expect the job done in. So I set some expectations around what I wanted because I said, this is how I want my business to run. This is how I want my clients to be looked after. And if you do this, then I'm going to make sure that you get paid. So every single time they would issue a bill and if we met the timelines, they'd be pretty much got their money overnight, right? Because I think, well, why should they have to wait? You know, they shouldn't have to wait a month to get paid. So that's kind of what it was like. And we just built really good relationships. And then every um, three months, we would all get together with the core people. What I did was put on, and I was very fortunate, I was in a location with the beach straight across the road. So I had an amazing view. And we, of course, had barbecues and chairs. That was all there in the park. <clears throat> so I thought, well, why not put on a vendor barbecue every three months? So all I did was buy some beer and some sausages and bread, right? It was a Friday afternoon. And I would tell them all to come and say, bring your workers. Tell all the other people in the area. And, I, and it became this big thing. Every three months on a particular day, everyone knew what the dates were. And I had a vendor barbecue. So out of that, I would just say, thank you very much. You know, it's a pleasure to work with you all. All of our customers and clients are really happy with the work that you're doing. So that's how it kind of first started. Then it evolved to why are, why are we not managing any of your investment properties that any of you have? <laughs> <laughs> 
um, all of those types. To then, I had my electrician and my painter were the biggest referrers to me. Why? Because you said it earlier that they go into other people's homes. They get engaged by other property managers. They get engaged by owners themselves who are looking to paint the house or fix something because they're either looking to sell or they're potentially looking to rent. So as a part of that process, I said, anyone that you bring over to me from another company or an owner as a referral, I'm going to pay you a referral fee. So my electrician and plumber would do that and say, oh, Casey, I just want to let you know, I'm in here. Unfortunately, these tenants have, you know, trashed this house. You know, there's something bad has gone wrong. This might be a really good opportunity for you to connect with the owner of this property. And so then it was, I understand you've gone through this bad experience. You know, and there was always then a softer approach to the conversation because I look like the good person and unfortunately the other agency looked like the bad person, right? So they just, that's what they did and they got extra money for it. So I absolutely agree with an approach of building a relationship with our vendors. It shouldn't just be send them a job because they can clean a carpet. Like let's really understand what they're about and what their company's about and what they can add to your business as well. I'm very, very well said. So if we're, if we're talking about, um, all of these things, and by the way, were there any, uh, was that kind of the last top most important things you can do when you're trying to build traction initially? I'll share a story if I can. Sorry to cut you off. Kind of like on the raw video. Yeah. So, um, started working with a client a couple of years ago and working through a a strategy of, they they were struggling around their, periodic inspections. So the inspections on their already tenanted properties where they'll go through every three months. And it was, you know, we wanted to have a point of, they wanted to have a point of difference of how can we showcase to our clients that we are physically doing the report? Because as we all know, they're all electronic. You could take the photo of the same room and it might look the same three months later, right? So they wanted to have an element to say, well, We want you to know that we are actually doing these reports. We do physically go there. We care about your property. So one of the staff members came up with the idea of, well, Casey, why can't we send a video to our client? I said, okay, let's talk through that strategy. What are you thinking? She said, well, we've got a mobile phone device with us at the inspection. Why can't we take a short video for 25 seconds and then send that as an SMS to the client? So I said, that's a really brilliant idea. So she started to implement this and she did it for a a landlord who had come over from another agency who had had a very, very bad experience. And one of those key elements for him was they never did these inspections. So they just lied and sent a report, but the tenants trashed the house and you could tell it wasn't just trashed in one week. It was trashed over time. So this was a big thing this particular landlord was actually in california on holidays with friends and received this text message that simply just said hi mr smith it's jacinta here letting you know that i'm at the property today as you can see and she just moved her phone and showed the house i've just completed the routine inspection and i want to let you know that the tenants have moved in really nicely they've set up everything well they've settled in uh, they're looking after it They didn't report any maintenance today, uh, but I just want to let you know that I was here 
and that it's been completed and everything's in, in order and that I will send you through a report with photos at the conclusion of the day. They got that and straight away he was like, oh my God, wow, she actually did what she said she was going to do, but she did it in a different way. He then showed his friends who were sitting beside who had five investment properties in the area. Wow. Who then emailed her immediately and said, what do I need to do to give notice to my current agent and come with oh, you? Oh, that's awesome. From one video. So then it became that. So now it's a part of that team's KPIs that every single time they do those inspections, an owner must get their video. It is checked that they actually do get the video. Um, and if they don't send that, then obviously it's a red cross against that they didn't complete that expectation as a part of their job um, description because that's their point of difference. No one else in that area is doing that. It's like your gateway into yeah. video recording, especially well, yeah, if you're easy, scared. Yes, you know exactly what to say to because you know what you did. You know exactly what the owner has to know in terms of information. Yeah. And then even if you're scared, you can still verbalize those things. And then once you get comfortable, then you can sort of like build up from there and actually create other types of videos where you're educating people, for example. Absolutely. So I, I really like that. Exactly. And I think... I think in order to really start to focus on start, what are these, you know, lead generation activities and how do we keep building our, our bottom, bottom line and our profits, you know, and thinking about, you know, bottlenecks and that's, you know, what we're talking about here is what, what is that bottleneck? It's we don't know what activity to do, but the bottleneck is also our own mind and ourselves as the owner operator or as the property manager, because we're not thinking outside of the four walls by looking at implementing something so little that we're already at a house and it's going to take 25 seconds. And out of that 25 seconds could produce us one more new door to manage. So we don't ever think about that. Right. And I think that a key probably to this is the fact that we need to change our mindset in how we understand how to grow our property management business. Yeah. And I think that starts with having the mind space, right? Um, and so building that out in your calendar to make sure that you have time to breathe and actually look at things from a different point of view. Because when you're doing the day-to-day, -day, it's kind of hard to see patterns and think outside the box when you're just trying to get things done. Um, and so in terms of, you know, starting out um, and, you know, planning. So one aspect of planning is the activities, but in terms of like goals and targets, um, how would a property management owner operator go about setting goals and expectations? So they just like create a number, divide it by 12 and like start <laughs> rambling to reach that. <laughs> Are there things they need to consider? Absolutely. And I think it's going to vary slightly based on your marketplace, of course. But the first thing is to understand what are those potential opportunities. And what I mean by that is how many doors are potentially out there for you to grab, right? Um, and maybe you can't identify that data in full, but at least you could understand an average of what might be there for you. So then we look at those activities that we're doing and if we did them consistently on average, what would the results be? So again, it would be breaking that down with them and then saying, on average, if you made 10 call connects, you got to speak to 10 people, on average, your success rate would be five 
where five, 50% of those people would be happy to connect, continue to connect with you further. Then out of that would be broken down another 50%. So from that, you're probably looking at two people that would want to continue a really good relationship with you. And out of that, you're going to get one who will be in the pipeline of I've got business to do with you. So if you think I make 10 calls and I'm going to get one, which is why if you do 10 every day, you're going to get one to add to your pipeline, right? So there kind of is a little bit of a form, formula, but the variance will be on the percentage based on those opportunities and the marketplace, right? So it can increase also certainly as well of the skill set of the person that you've got. Um, if they're not doing multiple things, if, if, they, if their core focus is to focus on sales generation, uh, then you potentially would increase that target and goal percentage for them from a conversion point of view. <coughs> so if we've, um, let's say we've done that and we've been able to get that one pipe lead into our business and we do that every day, let's say that's 30 new leads into our pipeline every month. Now they're not going to do business with you every month. We need to understand that. And then we kind of, we then continue to break that down further. So out of that, you might get, um, five people who want to do an appraisal and say, yes, I'm ready to go today. So on average, based on working with clients, what I've seen, if they're doing um, an appraisal, one appraisal every day, so one evaluation and actually meeting a customer and presenting the services, it is broken down to be 50%. So you would be able to achieve somewhere between 10 to 15 new doors a month if you are face-to-face with a person every day. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a good, good rule of thumb to remember. Yeah, so that's kind of where I go, is this achievable for you, right? And they go, oh, maybe not in my marketplace. Okay, so what about if we did every second day? You know, and then you start to break it down. So generally what I like to do in the initial stages is say, is it realistic for you to bring on five doors? Oh, yes, Casey, I think I could do that. So that's the first target. So we work with five until we've achieved five consecutively for three months. And then it gets up to 10. Then we do 10 consecutively for three months. And then it gets up to 15. Yeah. And so um, to your point, right, just to make sure I understand. Um, and so once you determine sort of like if the five a month is an easy thing for you, then that's your signal. Okay, we can up it to 10. And if it's still easy to keep going up until you start feeling some resistance, then that's how an owner operator knows we've reached kind of like the optimal growth. Um, But if you set it low and it's five and your team's struggling, then you know, like it's either the market is too small um, or possibly we need to make ourselves more efficient. Um, It's a, yeah. And so that's, yeah. So that's when we would look at the act. we would then look at the activities. So if we got to the 15 and I identified in working with them that they were struggling to get to 15, but in our initial discussions, they presented and said that with the opportunities we have, and if we did do these things, we do believe we could get there. And then we can't get there. Then that's when I would work out why. So then I then go back and say, okay, with the activities are we doing, do we need to alter any of them or do we need to add something new in, right? And that could be the one key element 
that might change it to then help us get to 15. So that's why you have to do that kind of work at the beginning to go through all of that and trial and test things along the way. And what works really well for you, be consistent at it. Once you get to six months and if you've not received a result from a particular activity, then we, I take, say, let's take a step back from that activity, analyze why. <coughs> Was it us and our attitude and behavior towards the activity or is it purely not the right activity for your marketplace? So there's some variables as a, with it, but if we're not achieving five and you're doing those activities consistently, there could be a shortage in your marketplace, absolutely, or we're not delivering that activity correctly. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes the owner-operator can be the bottleneck themselves around that they want to set that KPI or they want to set that goal and target too high and they think, oh, but this person, this is what they're doing and straight away from the onset, they're like, oh, you can do 15. It's like, mm, not straight away. <laughs> We're going to work towards that and let's set those plan of attacks in motion for them but not straight away because that's going to demotivate them. It's going to make them, you know, feel, oh, I'm just stressed and pressured. I can't reach these goals. I'm no good at this when really that's not it at all. So we need to see them getting results. It increases motivation. It'll increase the activity and then things will just automatically, organically come in. What are some of the things that you've seen that prohibit results? Like the most common things, say maybe in a situation where a goal is set too high or even a goal is set just right, but you're not seeing the results. Yeah, you're not seeing the results. What are some common problems that you've seen people have that are easy to overcome? Uh, one big would be the actual individual performing the role. <clears throat> so if that's not you as the owner operator and you do have a property manager who has their role is focused as that business development manager and that sales um, generation person, you might not have the right person. They could be someone who is just expecting something to come to them. So they could be sitting there telling you, yeah, I've made those 10 calls today. But have they actually really, right? So it's diving in because I can guarantee you that if, you're, if you do those five activities that I shared with you, and that's only five, right? And you broke that up and did that over a month, you will be guaranteed to bring leads into your business and get new doors on. So if you can't do that in that first three months, then it's not the activity, it's the person. <clears throat> so most of the time, it's the individual doing the position. Or unfortunately, it's the owner operator who has either set the target too high or doesn't provide their tools and resources to help support the person in that position. And that could be simply, no, I'm not spending the money on that marketing. No, we're not going to do that email campaign. They micromanage it and every single thing that you need to do has to be approved. Um, and I'll give you an example. I worked with a business in that role and every single time I wanted to send a marketing email out, the, so the newsletter every month, as an example, had to be signed off by the owner operator every month, he, who was incredibly busy. Oh. So it took a week for him to come back to me and say, yep, that's okay to go out. And I'm like, but we're a week late. We've yeah. missed 
We're a week that. behind now. But we've gone now. And then it would be, I'd want to put a post on social media. On my own page, not allowed to do it. There was a social media policy. Fine, I understand that. Had to get approval from him every time. So then it stopped. So everything that I wanted to do that I knew was going to help get the business in, the owner operator stopped me from doing it. And they're probably, it's either the wrong person or it's actually the person who's sitting there saying, I want to grow my business. And they're the handbrake. They're the bottleneck. They're the one who is actually preventing it from happening. Oh, that's interesting, right? Because it's very understandable. Um, the owner operator in that story probably, you know, just wants to make sure that, you know, the brand is protected and nothing, nothing is going out that is not within the guidelines. So create a guideline right? and then empower people to use the guideline rather than having your team. Yeah. Having everything go through you and then you, because you're not just sitting around waiting for Right. If there are certain things that you check for every single time, make a checklist, give it to the person if you're that, that worried about it. But I also think, like you said, empower your team, because I think if you, if you're the bottleneck there and you have to approve everything, it goes back to what, what you were saying about, um, about thinking outside of the box or restricting yourself. If Mm -hmm. everything has to go through one person and they're just very one dimensional thinking, how are you ever going to branch out and try those other things? If you don't give, give the rest of your team an opportunity to just absolutely do do what they can do. And, And I like your point about, you know, creating those guidelines and it comes back to the beginning of, have you got a business plan in place? And as a part of that, what's your growth plan? So, what you know what's the vision and where do you see the business in five years and what are the stages and what things do you need to do as a part of that plan and go okay year one we want to be here and year two we want to be positioned here and keep revisiting that but then to tack on to that we then need a marketing budget so you can't expect to grow a business if you're not prepared to spend some money right um And I know that there are some activities that we can certainly do for free, but we're really not doing it for free. There's a time factor involved. So if you've got to pay a staff member a wage or an income to perform that activity, and if that hourly rate is $50 an hour, then that just costs you $50. So you have to add that into the equation because no activity is free. Yeah. So you have to understand that, it's going to take this much time, this much money, and this is the planning. These are the stages. Okay, what do we have to do now to implement all of that? Um, and that's where I think the key bottleneck is from the beginning is that people don't do that first. And they just go, I'm going to grow my rent roll. <laughs> I'm going to get more doors on and I want more. And they don't do some of those little things or just revisit all of that planning first mm-hmm. before they start to implement any activity. Yeah, that's interesting because as you said, right, like if you want to grow, you have to be willing to invest on the people actually driving that growth. So the people who actually have time to pick up the phone, prospect, not just pick up the phone when people call, but actually go out of their way and prospect because there's a difference. Um, That's why you have BDMs versus receptionists. Um, And the other pieces, you know, you mentioned that a lot of times, you're not growing in the pace you want because the person in the seat is not the right person. Either they're ex, they're 
what they're good at is not sales. Maybe they're a kick-ass property manager, but because they're a kick-ass property manager, they don't really prioritize the sales piece because maybe you're grading them on the property management piece. So they're not incentivized to prioritize a new sales call versus an owner who's complaining because the tenant contacted them directly, stuff like that. Um, And then the last piece that you mentioned was, you know, not having the marketing budget because I think a lot of times um, there's a misconception that already hired a salesperson. I can't afford to spend on the marketing, but then yeah, if you just spend on the marketing and you don't have a salesperson, then who's going to pick up those calls and actually, you know, nurture those prospects. But then if you don't have marketing, the, your salesperson cannot, you know, clone him or herself and, you know, like do face to face. Or they might not even know how to set up, how how to position themselves and do the marketing piece. And that's the problem is, is that a lot of people don't um, understand, you know, that element of well where where am i positioned currently in the market what what do i need to spend um around that and sometimes that could just be what that bottleneck could be for that owner operator is the fact that they haven't got a marketing budget in place and they're not willing to spend the money uh, to do that but again it's just understanding that value i think of what it is that there's a time factor for prospecting. And, and I, I absolutely agree. You could be a kick-ass property manager, but that does not mean that you are good at sales. Yep. Yeah. The reverse is true. This is, all, this is all very, very helpful. I was just thinking that all goes back to the one central theme. Um, like we, the right people in the right seats or seat on the bus, whatever, yeah. whatever term you use to describe it. I feel like whenever we talk to people, experts about growing their business or obstacles they've encountered most of the time it comes back to having the right people in the right position and letting them do their thing <laughs> like letting them do what they're good at knowing when you're not good at something um and i think i think there's a reason that comes up as a theme and everything just because that's kind of a foundational thing which mm-hmm. makes sense why we're talking about that at this point when we're thinking about initial um, initial ways to build that pipeline and to build that growth. Yeah. So that reminds me, I had a question. Um, so the bottleneck around, you know, focusing on the wrong thing when you're building your pipeline, do you, do you see that is only common for younger property management companies or does this also plague more established property management companies? Yeah. Maybe they're an established company that could be (laughs) growing faster. Yeah. And you are right. Um, it does actually happen across both. I, I can work with very young property management companies and property managers. And because they've done, you know, the elements right in the beginning, they are growing faster. Um, or they're growing at the pace that they're, they're happy with. I mean, you know, you don't always have to grow, you know, 100 or 150 doors a year or whatever you want. It to, you know, if someone could be happy with 50, then that's okay, right? So it's about what they're comfortable with in their own business. But some of those do it incredibly well. And sometimes those larger businesses, they're not doing it very well. Um, and the reason is, is because they don't understand what is actually involved in the role sometimes. And that could be, again, they've got the wrong person doing the position. And or if they're doing certain activities, they're thinking because they've already got such a large property management company, the business is automatically going to come to them. Mm. And 
it, what I find then is that one that once they get to us, sometimes to a larger scale, indoors that they're managing specific foundations and systems and processes and improvements in technology all start to slide away because they get comfortable in what they're doing, right? They go, well, this has been working for us for 10 years. Look, we've, our business has still grown. It's all fine, but they're not evolving. You know, they're not changing. So they're just, again, stuck in this little path. Whereas a startup, if they went to startup today, they would have all the best technology, the best tools, they would be probably operating from home because it's more efficient to, you know, all of those things, right? So it can be very, very different about how people think about the growth in their business and what it means to them. So some are, some are happy to grow 50, some want 300. Um, and some larger businesses do it very well and some do it very poorly. So, yeah, it's, it's I don't think it's, uh, you can kind of tunnel which business does it well and which business does it right. Um, I think it's uh, each business needs to understand how they need to do it right for their business. So what would you give, whether it is a, a small company, a startup or an existing company, what would be the initial initial advice you would give to somebody as these bottlenecks are identified? Uh, is is to actually sit down and work through them. So, you know, get your whiteboard out, you know, get your notepad, whatever it is that you need to do and actually look at what has happened in the business for the six months or 12 months, whenever it is that you start to identify that, mm, okay, we're starting to come up with some issues here and some challenges and then go and just actually take a look back into the business and dive back into it and revisit what have we done well? What is it that didn't work well for us? So, you know, and then what are our strengths and weaknesses out of that? Revisiting, you might have had great opportunity 12 months ago, that marketplace may have changed. So do we need to adjust the activities that we're doing? Do we need to then readjust our targets and goals based on how these things are changing? Do we need to implement new technology to help us? Um, do I need to get a new resource on board? Who's more dedicated to that, right? So it's kind of going through and asking yourself all of those questions and identifying which is, is probably the highest priority on the list and then work on that first. And that sometimes could just be simply that you need to get a resource now. You're at a stage where you can't do it anymore as the owner operator as the startup, so you now need to get a resource. So is that resource you as the salesperson or is that a resource as someone else doing sales if you don't have that skill set? And I think that you just need to be open to know that even as the owner operator, you're not going to be able to do absolutely everything in your business. Okay. Um, and that's, that's why you've got to just sit down. I just think it, it's important to write things down. If it's kind of not written and you're not visually looking at it, you're not going to understand where the gaps are. <coughs> kind of map it out, you know, like oh, we were here and then do a little flow chart and then we were here and then we were here. Oh, and this went wrong. This is what I did to fix it. Okay, so now we're back here. And it might look like this, you know, flow chart going everywhere, but it'll allow you to see a map of what's occurred in your business. That's interesting. You mentioned flowcharts because that is something we've covered in a previous podcast and a couple of blogs because, you know, um, 
actually putting stuff on paper, even if you think, oh, this process is so simple. I don't want to spend time writing a process flowchart for this. I but know how to do it. I, I know how to do it. it. Like yeah. all my property managers know how to lease a property, but actually writing it down forces you to look at it from a from a very objective point of view and it's funny how we we started doing that for four and a half you know like posting a blog it's so you know every everybody every, knows how to everybody post knows a blog. blog but then we, we started instructions yeah we started um writing the whole team one room giant whiteboard and then we start you know you know writing the process and everything why are we doing this and then we started lo- looking at it and we're like actually why do we do this before that if we just move this up then yeah. we can it, save 10 we, minutes yeah. or and then it starts building up from that yeah. and so we started doing a flow chart for all the other stuff we do here and we started seeing like small tweaks we could do to actually just either make things more um efficient save time or sometimes it's just easier to train people because it's a tighter process and especially for property management um because the other piece too is you know when you're writing it out, you can literally put who's accountable for what. And um, I've spoken to a lot of property management um, company owners who complain about the lack of accountability, right? Yes. Um, yes. And I feel like, to your point, as a um, owner operator, if you're accountable for every single little thing, that's kind of a red flag, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's. Um, I'm. I'm massive on workflows and you know, having those checklists and tick boxes and looking at that and just revisiting it because there's going to sometimes be mistakes made, right? And there'll be something that will occur and you'll go, well, we didn't really think about that. Oh, okay. That's because we don't have a step on that workflow. Uh, So let's add it in so that that mistake doesn't happen again. Or more importantly, oh, we do have it, but it's down three steps, probably should be up three steps, you know? So I think that, all of those things form part of this whole process. It's the same as when you're looking at generating a lead or why didn't we get that lead? So let's break it down. Okay, we called them. It took three days for us to follow it up. Well, is that the right process? Should we follow up faster than three days? Should we follow up 24 hours after? You know, what should we do with that follow-up? Should it be a call? Should it be an email? Should we be sending them something out in the mail? So it's kind of breaking it down and looking at, Sometimes what we did wrong or what didn't work well and using that, even though it's kind of a negative, but you turn that around to be a positive to go, how do we improve that so that that doesn't happen again so that maybe we can get those results that we need? Oh, that's, that's really interesting because a lot of times when we talk about workflows, the human brain just correlates it with operations. Like I need a workflow for this operating process. But if you think of it this way, every single activity in your business, including sales has to have a workflow. It does. So are there any myths um, that you want to bust about, you know, um, that initial phase of building your um, sales pipeline or just like, planning out your growth plans as a property management um, company owner? Um, I mean, so, so we're talking about, you know, people say, oh, it's so easy and they, and this is just how you do it. But really in a nutshell, it doesn't work like that. Is that what you, yeah. Or like (laughs) things like, you know, oh, I don't need to spend on marketing because I have a lot of good friends in the industry. I can get enough leads from referrals. 
um, you know, their referrals are going to come. Or I'm, I know how to market. I know how to market my business so I can be the marketer, the BDM and the property <laughs> manager. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, I think, um, I, I absolutely think that they need to invest the time in having someone dedicated to do the sales role and be the BDM because I think it is a niche and it is a specialty role and not everyone has that inside of them. And you think just because you do know people in the industry, you've got great connections and you could be an owner operator who has also been a, you're being a real estate agent, right? You've been a broker. You, you're, you're thinking, well, I know how to do this, but I think a big element in that is that it's completely different to sell a home and be selling a services to some, to a client who is a seller who wants to sell that house to say, this is what I'm going to do for you to sell your home because that might be five steps. We're talking to somebody who has received that property because of a death in the family um, you know, it could be their family home. So there's an emotional connection. They're just having to move out to relocate. So many different variables. And it's a long-term relationship. It's not a quick relationship. So the, the myth there is that if you don't have the skill set to understand what actually happens in property management, and I mean, if an owner is to present a challenging question to you to say, what would you do if this happened and how would you fix it if it happened to my property? And you 100% cannot answer that question hand on heart, then you're not the right person to be doing that position. That's a good piece. So as a, as a salesperson coming in, they need, regardless of whether or not they've been in the industry before, and I'm, a, and I'm a big believer that you can pull some great people outside of the real estate industry. Um, if, you, if that's the case, then get them the right training to understand. So before they even start to do one telephone call to prospect for business, they need to work in property management for a minimum period and shadow the property management team and understand what happens when we evict a tenant, what happens if we do a routine inspection, what is an ingoing condition report and what does it look like, how detailed do the team do them, all of these different elements. That doesn't mean they specifically have done the job, you need to understand it. Yeah, that's interesting because I think one misconception is a great salesperson can sell anything, but there's like an asterisk there, like right. fine print. <laughs> they still need to know they're what they're always, selling. There is in my mind. And you know, look, I, have, I do work with some principals who say, but Casey, I can, but I do it. I sell. I, I sell houses for a living every single day. Why can't I sell the services of my property management team? And I said, uh, I can't remember the question I asked. I said, oh, um, could you please explain to me um, my owner portal? So I said, you mentioned in your presentation to me that I have access to my information. So how do I get access to that information? And what do I see inside my owner portal? And he goes, well, I don't know the answer to that. I said, well, there you go. <laughs> so you actually don't know how to sell the services because you should not. As the owner operator of the business, you should understand what the owner sees. You should say, by logging in, you're able to see your financial history, where your tenant's paid up to, when the next inspection is scheduled for, any photos of your property. You know, you, you should be able to say, it's there for you 
so that you don't have to call us or email us about maybe some little questions you've got, right? I said, and that's all that you need to be able to say, but you need to know how to say that. And right now you don't. So why should I choose you as the agency of choice for me if you can't answer that question? So it finally got him to understand that he needed to have somebody in the position who was able to answer those questions. So, so that's definitely a misconception in the market. I disagree that if you're good at sales, you can sell anything. Well, because different things, there are I different I think there's things. always little asterisks. Yeah, like <laughs> buying a home is much different than signing up for property management services. You're selling a product. A home is a product. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's not as big a decision because you're more price conscious, right? It's like, okay, I sell my home. I have this target amount I'm going to sell it for. I don't really care. It's, I'm not that, um, like if, even if there's a property, sorry, there's a real estate agent that I don't really jive with, but they can sell my home for hire. It's like, it's easier to make a decision. Well, I need more money for my home versus it's a relationship. It's an ongoing relationship. Yeah. I'm going to have you manage my property for like two, three years. Yeah. yeah. So it's a bigger commitment. Mm -hmm. And so the way you sell it is different. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, what kind of tenant are you going to put in my property? Mm-hmm. What, um, you know, what, what access have you got to find suitable tenants? Where do you advertise? Do you do open for inspections or is it private viewings or do the tenants go and look themselves? You know, all of these different questions that as, you know, especially if it's someone who's relocating and they are living in that home, that's their home, right? Mm-hmm. There's an absolute emotional connection. So they're like, well, we don't want damage. How frequently do you check on it? You know, what maintenance do you do? You know, so I'm thinking about all of the different types of questions you could get asked and you've got to know how to be able to answer them. Not like, oh, I'm not sure about that one. Leave it with me. I'll get back to you. You know, and you don't want to then be flicking through a book going, oh, here's the answer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, um, yeah, I think that if if you don't have all of those answers, and look, to be honest, we're not always going to be able to answer absolutely everything, right? but you should be able to answer 99% of the questions that a potential landlord's going to ask you. And if you feel like that you can't, then you need to undertake further training yourself to develop that skill so that you can answer their questions. And I think that that's when you will sign the deals up faster because they will know you're knowledgeable. They'll know that you're giving them the answers on the spot. They don't want you to go, oh, I'll call you back tomorrow about that one. You know, that's people don't worry. want that. Yeah. We're time yeah. poor, right? We just want to know what are you going to do for me and how are you going to do it well? And then what's it going to cost me? Absolutely. So if, um, if we were to leave the listeners with any one piece of information today, what would you, what would, is the most important thing? Is it, is it the setting aside time and just mapping everything out? Is that, would you say that's the number one thing to get started here? Yeah, I think if you are an existing property management company and you're starting to see some bottlenecks coming into your growth, then I think it's time to sit back and analyse what you have been doing and work through that. And are you still on plan based on your business plan or do you need to revisit that and make some, you know, make some modifications to that plan and then start to map that out and look at what, what has worked well for us and that's great, let's continue with that. What hasn't worked so well? So let's see what we need to do to fix or change that and then start to implement that in. 
Um, so if you're an experienced property management company, that's absolutely what you should do. And then look at how your team are utilizing their time around growth. So if you, if you don't have a specialized um, person or resource for that role and your property managers are doing that or you are as the owner operator, once you've revisited your plan and what's working and what's not working, now look at your time and go, how am I using my time to the best of my ability to be able to have growth elements in, implemented in my day to help support what we need to do to improve? Okay, um, so they would be the two, absolutely two key factors. Um, I think the activities will be a flow on effect of that, right? You're going to see what you did really well and what didn't work. And then that will be, okay, let's continue with this. So it's kind of plan, time flow chart activity is how I would kind of put it in priority. If you're a startup and you're thinking, right, now I want to really focus my energy on this, it is the same element. It's the fact that, that you're not revisiting a plan, you're implementing it and you're actually writing one, yeah, and doing what's my plan, what's achievable goals and targets for the first 12 months, you know, where do we want to position ourselves? What are our opportunities and what resources and tools do I need to ensure that we achieve that? Yeah, perfect. Um, I always, I always say the same thing, but this is, this was really awesome. A lot of good take, a lot of good takeaways here. I feel like that's like, there's going to be a meme or something of Brittany just being like, awesome. Um, because it was, it was that's my word. Awesome. The, um, this was but super insightful. Just very, um, I think will be eye opening for a lot of people um, and encouraging also. So thank you for taking the time to You're go welcome. over this bottleneck with us today. That's okay. I hope I've been able to, you know, answer all of your questions and certainly help your listeners today if they're experiencing any of those. So yeah, please you know, for any of them, they're more than welcome to connect with me if they would like to, you know, re-clarify any of the questions or go through any of that uh, as to how I might be able to help them. Um, I do offer a 30-minute free consultation as an, as an initial consultation. So I'm more than happy to certainly offer that to any of your listeners as well today. Awesome. Well, listeners, you heard that. Give Casey a <laughs> shout out. Um, we hope you found um, a lot of insights from today's podcast. Again, this is part of our series around bottlenecks to profitability. Um, watch out in the coming weeks for more episodes mm -hmm. related to that. Yep. Thanks, everyone.